In the year 1988, the most expensive anime film in history was released. It was uh, directed by Katsuhiro Otomo and was released a year later in North America by Streamline Pictures. It was credited with bringing anime and manga to Western shores in such a strong way that enthusiasm for Japanese animation and comic books remains to this day. The film we are watching tonight is Kit's Choice, Akira. Hey, hey! There's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death by video. Time for death by video. And now the show will begin. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. And I'm Lillian. And I'm Graham, saying welcome back to Death by Video. We are rejoined by Lillian Perez. And we also have a special guest. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself, special guest? Hi, I'm Max. Welcome, Max. Hey, it's Max. All right. Long-time listener, first-time caller, Max. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so Kit, take it away. What what do you have to tell us about Akira? I I wrote probably too much, so I'm going to try to get through this. You, You already kind of touched on a few of the things. So for those who don't know, Akira is a 1988 animated film written Mm -hmm. and directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, based upon the manga of the same name, which uh, Otomo also wrote and illustrated. Mm. Uh, The manga, which I have not read, not being a manga guy or a comic book guy, really, um, is massive. It was originally serialized in the pages of Young Magazine, which I'm assuming is some sort of magazine over there in Japan. Kind of similar um, to probably like 2018 in the UK. Yeah, so starting uh, starting from 1982, um, and it finished in 1992, years after the film adaptation was actually released. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's six volumes and over 2,300 pages in length. Wow. So the film is necessarily a little different from the manga, having to condense tons of plot and action to a, into a two-hour time frame, though still true to Otomo's vision since he had complete creative control over the product, project, something on which he insisted before agreeing, agreeing to the adaptation. So in order to capture the epic scale of Otoma's lengthy manga in a smaller size, the film had a very, very high budget, as Graham mentioned. 1.1 billion yen, or about $10 million, um, making it the most expensive anime film of its day. Now, to put that in perspective, um, Disney, for example, like for a big, big project like The Little Mermaid, which was, I think, their most expensive animated film at the time, which yeah, was released about a year later, yeah. that was a $20 million budget. Wow. But for films they did like um, Adventures of Milo and Otis or Rescuers Down Under, those would come in at about 2 to $4 million. Yeah. So Akira was much, much more expensive than that. Mm-hmm. Um, around this time, of course, Japanese animation studios were notorious for saving money by cutting corners using limited animation techniques, which is like uh, reusing backgrounds frequently mm-hmm. or like when you see a character's mouth move in a frame, but nothing else moves in the frame. Yeah. Uh, kind of a hallmark of like early uh, anime and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but by contrast, Akira is filled with movement and gorgeously detailed artwork. About 160,000 animation cells were used to create a vibrant, fluid looking world. And it's not like the big eyes and triangle faces you'd see in, like, a Sailor Moon. Uh, yeah. Akira goes for a much more almost hyper-realist kind of aesthetic in a way. Uh, Akira, as you... as <laughs> It's hard, isn't it? It's hard reading all this yeah. stuff that I wrote. Uh, as I was about to, and I stopped myself. Because I don't want Graham to have to bleep that out. That's no. what I'm here for. I'm here to say it for you. Aw, oh, thank you. Yeah, now I have to bleep it out. 
Uh, so as uh, uh, Graham mentioned, Akira premiered in Japan in July 16th, 1988. Didn't actually do a lot of business there. Uh, as I said, it cost about 10 million US to make. It only made about uh, $8 million at the domestic box office in Japan. So it lost a bit of money. But it made a lot of money on home video worldwide, that's, though, right? That's where it took off. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, the next year, uh, Streamline Pictures uh, obtained a English-language version created by Electric Media Inc. and distributed in the U.S. with limited theatrical runs starting on Christmas Day in 1989. Uh, the same Streamline dub version was released in Canada by Lionsgate in early 1990. Uh, that dub, which is the one I'm most familiar with, features a lot of recognizable voice actors that were working a lot in cartoons at the time. So uh, Cam Clark, who uh, voices the hero Kaneda, uh, and is strangely credited in the film as Jimmy Flinders. Interesting. Could, it could have been a I uh, think a it's a contract thing. thing. Yeah, like they were trying to... Well, I do, I do know that in the United States, depending on which coast you're on, animation voices were unionized or not. So for... I can't remember, because I know that the Ninja Turtles, it was a... It was voiced on the East Coast, and I think they had a unionized crew, whereas, like, union actors couldn't... And there, there's like some screwiness with the with the acting unions. That's probably why yeah. I had to change his name. Funny you bring that up because Cam Clark actually uh, did the voices of Leonardo and Rocksteady in the Teenage Mutant mm. Ninja Turtles cartoon. Mm -hmm. uh, so that dub has a kind of campy quality to it. Like all the young guys sound like nerds or surfer dudes. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an updated dubbing, uh, I think, released by Animes or Pioneer in 2001, which uh, is supposed to be better, uh, maybe a better translation, and also the actors take a more serious approach to the work. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, it was in, uh, as Graham mentioned, it's the home video market that Akira really established itself as a cult classic. MGM uh, United Artists picked up the streamlined version for release in May of 1991, while Orion Home Video offered a subtitled version in September of 1993. Uh, Criterion actually released a Laserdisc edition mm -hmm. of Akira in 1992, uh, and until the 2014 Blu-ray release of the Fantastic Mr. Fox, Akira was Criterion's only animated film. Hmm. Um, Akira was also able to find audiences via like the emergence of dedicated specialty channels on cable, such as Teletoon. Yeah, um, and like the Sci-Fi Network in the United States, where it would show regularly. I remember, I remember it airing on Space at least once or twice in the in the late yeah, 90s. Yeah. yeah. Um, word is that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas had an opportunity to uh, distribute Akira back in 1988, but declined because they didn't think American audiences would dig it. Mm. <laughs> I guess at the time, uh, perhaps the idea of animated films for adults with violence, nudity, strong language, adult themes and situations didn't seem like something Americans would want, I guess. I don't know. Mm hmm. Or maybe they thought of the uh, really bizarre 1981 Canadian film Heavy Metal and decided yeah. they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't want anything to do with that. That's probably what happened. <laughs> That's probably it. That infamous flop slash cult hit. I'm always metal. here for the adult situation. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, all right, is that what we're in for tonight? We <laughs> are. Yes, we definitely are. And a lot of sci-fi stuff. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Akira has certainly had a lasting uh, impact, uh, widely credited with bringing around the second wave of Japanese animation in American popular culture. Would the first one be like Speed Racer? And Speed the, Racer yeah. and Astro Boy and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, Which then led to Sailor Moon being repeated ad nauseum on YTV. In the yeah, movies, anyone yeah. who was alive in the 90s, as you say, was uh, familiar with the second wave of Japanese animation. Uh, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, Samurai Pizza Cats even. Oh, so, uh, oh yeah, that makes sense now. Was Pokemon a anime or did it start yeah, off as yeah, a video it, game? Yeah, it's connected. Uh, yeah. It's also a Nintendo product, so it had that mm -hmm. going for it as well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, And mm -hmm. then, of course, yeah, I don't know if you guys remember Hookup's skateboard company with their bullshit. No. Sexy anime girls on all the skateboards. They were a terrible company. 
Mm. Uh, guys would wear the t-shirts, though, because they had that cool anime look. Yeah. Uh, other great anime films, of course, it paved the way for, such as Ninja Scroll, uh, Ghost in the Shell, and, of course, all those wonderful studio... Uh, is it Ghibli? Ghibli? I don't know. I've never known how it's pronounced. I've always said Ghibli, but it's probably wrong. <laughs> We're going to go with Ghibli, and I apologize if I'm is incorrect. Is it the Street Fighter movies? No, no, no. no. It's the Miyazaki. And, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. My Neighbor Totoro, um, yeah. Spirited Away, those kind of films. Because I remember in the in the mid-90s, sorry to interrupt, Kit, there no, was, no, a, there was a big um, kerfuffle because there were these Street Fighter animated movies that came out that were produced in Japan, and Chung Lee is topless yeah, in a couple yeah. scenes. And I just remember it like causing a scandal of like some people being like, "My mom rented a Street Fighter animated movie for me, and there were boobs." As, as, yeah, Americans were not used to this that awesome. that kind of content in, a, in animated films, and a lot of them probably mm -hmm. assumed that hey, it's animated. Well, I also remember the, the Spawn cartoon in the late yeah. '90s, which aired at midnight on HBO. So, of course, people went out and rented that for their kids and then were shocked at the violence and foul language and nudity in it. Well, they can thank Akira for that as well. Yeah, it was, it was um, groundbreaking. It also, it, it influenced American films as well, particularly uh, The Matrix, uh, with oh, its use of, of bullet time mm -hmm. effects. Dark City, Kill Bill, Looper, The Dark Knight, uh, countless other films have a direct uh, influence, even an homage to, uh, to Akira in them. Uh, and Spielberg himself, uh, after you know, dismissing Akira, allegedly, uh, he included an homage to the uh, to a Minority Report. No, in uh, oh yeah, Minority Report mm -hmm. is a uh, it's very anime inspired. It definitely influenced, um, but in uh, Ready Player One, the pop culture thrill ride pastiche. That wasn't Anyone very, here seen it? Yeah, I saw it. It wasn't very good. <laughs> it was Max yeah. saw it too. Yeah, what do you think, Max? Uh, it was it was alright. After like twenty minutes, it's just like it's just like a, you like you said, it's like an homage fest. Like it's almost like okay, and then yeah. and then you know so on and so forth. It was alright. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I remember you calling it like a roller coaster. It's basically or a roller coaster. If it was ended. shorter, it would be better. Like you know, like <laughs> half an hour in length. Um, <laughs> Go but on. anyway, yeah, yeah. So there's a you can see Canada's Canada's uh, iconic red bike in uh, in the race scene at the start of that film. Uh, Ready Player One. Hmm. So the basic setup for the film is it's the year 2019. Da, 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 da. Hey, we're there right now. In the oh city of Neo-Tokyo, Tokyo having been destroyed by an atomic disaster some 30 years prior. Uh, Neo-Tokyo Neo is seemingly run by some military faction who are busy trying to craft an ultimate weapon of some sort. <coughs> Meanwhile, on the streets, various cyberpunk biker gangs menace each other and terrorize civilians at the same time. That's all you really need to know about the plot, I guess. Oh, and the music is really phenomenal in this one. I, I dig it. Um... Yeah, that's, that's all I got to say. Wow, that is quite the intro. Thank wow, you. Wow, 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 wow. Fun fact, this is Kanye West's favorite movie. Yeah, oh, uh, the, no. the video, uh, what is it the video stronger. for? Yeah, for Stronger, it's uh, basically he does like a shot-for-shot -shot remake of Akira uh, in that music video. Starring him? Starring yes, him, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Stronger's the one that lifts Daft Punk. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you for like that. Kit. Sample in the Puff Daddy sense. <laughs> yeah, like just does it again. Yeah, just uses it. Well, let's be honest. Samples in the Vanilla Ice sense. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you've listened. You've heard. You've watched the Vanilla Ice defense yeah, yeah. of Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. Ours, theirs goes dum 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 da da dum 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 da da dum dum. Ours goes dum 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 da da dum 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 dum. It was also like, so was good. it uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez, Jenny, Jenny from the Block, yeah, just yeah. completely rips off a Beat Nuts 
without you. Oh, yeah. Then Keras won South Bronx. It also sampled. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure Keras oh, one got down productions. We could we could all go through it. How like Will Smith's? Uh, I'm sure Keras one got some. What's payments. that? Was it called um, Willennium or like the? Will 2K that lifted Rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah, and then uh, we're still living in the Millennium, Graham. No, we're not. <laughs> um, but yeah, other famous 2019 films, of course, Blade Runner. Ah, yeah, The Running Man. The Running Man. I didn't realize there were so many films set in 2019. One of my personal favorites, 2019 After the Fall of New York, which is a Italian post-apocalyptic film, obviously, which we will probably watch before the year's out. Hopefully, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, we should have a whole 2019. 2019 yeah. Yeah. In the, in the years. Oh, another the, uh, neat ages. tidbit about Akira uh, that I forgot to mention is that it actually strangely predicts the Tokyo Olympics in oh, 2020. Yeah. Ooh, because one fancy. of the subplots of Akira is that uh, they're preparing for the Olympics, which are going to happen in 2020, and Tokyo actually is hosting the Olympics in 2020. So do you so, think people just saw the movie and were like, we gotta do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there are secrets buried beneath Illuminati <laughs> the Olympic Stadium there. Who knows? <laughs> All right, guys. So it's that favorite part of our show. What have we seen that's good in the last week? Phil, we'll start with you. All right. Uh, I've mostly been doing rewatches since Clifford. Uh, okay. I rewatched The Cable Guy on Netflix. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of jarring rewatching Cable Guy on Netflix because there's that big Futures Now speech that Jim Carrey gives where like, he takes people to the information superhighway. Mm-hmm. It's a big satellite dish. And he's just talking about the integration of uh, phones, cable, and uh, computers. It's like interspliced with that weird Menendez Brothers trial yeah, stuff. That, 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 yeah, that's a great subplot. Uh, um, but yeah, and, but meanwhile, I'm rewatching this on Netflix. And I don't think hmm. the cable guy was particularly prophetic and to the extent that they thought it was just that, a bunch of techno babble they threw together yeah no i think like information superhighway was pretty ubiquitous in 96 uh, we're old mm-hmm. most of us are old uh <laughs> enough <laughs> i watched a street sense clip from 1993 that was talking about it oh shit street sense. and it broke down like just to try to explain what everything was it's like the highway that's like a big you know that's the world wide web the little uh, inner study the um, the roads in your town that's the Fidonet. your driveway is a bulletin board system and, and it's jarring how thin Jack Black was in that movie because I, oh, I always yeah. remembered uh, Jack Black as being a bit always kind of heavy set but even when he does like his high fidelity yeah but even in like uh, he's like two years later well he's yeah. got a bit part in an early X-Files episode a first season episode mm-hmm. with Giovanni Ribisi and he's yeah. he's like a not a He's a stout man in that one, too, so yeah. I don't know. He was skinny in Bob Roberts as well. Yeah, because like, he's he's wearing a Soundgarden Super Unknown shirt uh, underneath a blazer mm-hmm. in, that, in a couple scenes. Uh, yeah, I wonder if he classic. suffered from the whole thing of where he was just, he couldn't get cast because he was, like, Chris Pratt talked about that when he first moved to L.A., like, he was in good shape, and he just got cast constantly as the jock, and he was like, I can't get any real roles because I, like, you know, I'm in shape and thin. And then he just like started to gain a gut and all of a sudden he started getting cast in comedies and he's like, this is perfect. And now he's yeah. ripped again. Yeah. Like it's, well, it's one of those movies I think I would have really liked if they cast different people. Yeah. And if it, Ben Stiller went for a different tone. Mm-hmm. So like, I think the material is good. Like there's some really funny dialogue. There's that line that Jim Carrey gives, please don't go bungee jumping in Mexico. They just don't have the regulations. <laughs> Um, didn't they shoot that film like two ways? One was like a dark way and one was a lighter way. 
I think so. Trying to appease, like, because the studio showed up and was like, why do you have Jim Carrey being all weird and creepy? It's one of Jim Carrey's better roles, I think. But I haven't seen the movie in, like, a decade. Yeah. It's on Netflix, so. Oh, sweet. I'll have to check it out. I also rewatched Beavis and Butthead Do America. Nice. Yeah, it holds up. It it gets a bit padded even at about 80, 80 minutes. It's a mm-hmm. show that's generally worked well as five-minute episodes. Yeah, the, the, those, yeah, yeah. It's always funny when they go from like, hey, we're going to take this thing that was like five minutes long and make it 80 minutes. Yeah, like it's it's a road movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Robert Stack steals a scene as parodying Elliot Ness. He's oh, yeah. a very uh, cavity-search-obsessed uh ATF chief. Uh, cool. He has some stellar lines in that as well. Uh, well, I'd be a blue-nosed gopher. <laughs> I'd be a monkey's bare-assed uncle. It's been a while for me for that one. I've never I seen saw it. it in the theater. I'm ashamed <laughs> to say I've never seen it. I saw that one in the theater as well. Nice. Speaking of movies I've seen in the theater. I meant to go see it in the theaters, but it yeah. didn't end up happening. One opening day. R.I.P. <laughs> Uptown. Oh my gosh. Is that it? Is that it for your memorables for the week, Phil? Uh, first watch, uh, the early Olivier Assayas movie, Cold Water, with Virginie uh, It's really good. Yeah, I wanted to see that one. It's really good, yeah. Criterion just mm-hmm. put it out. It's very good. Uh, it's a semi-autobiographical-ish coming-of-age movie, and actually uses early 70s baby boomer rock music well. Cool. Yeah, I saw his Irma Vep uh, a few years ago. Yeah, I love that dig, movie. To I dig love most of his movies. Yeah, I've, I've seen, uh, sadly, too few of his films to, yeah. to really get a Summer feel. Hours, Carlos, Demon Lover, uh, Clouds yeah. of Sils Maria, Personal Sorry. Shopper. Sorry, Carlos, the, the, the one about Carlos the jackal. Carlos the Jackal, yeah. Oh, the, the three-hour movie? The five-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah, I saw that one, yeah. Okay, I saw that. <laughs> I liked it. Um, or, or there's also the two-and-a-half-hour movie. <laughs> I love how Graham thought he was exaggerating <laughs> when he said three-hour movie. <laughs> Like, no, the five and a half. Hour. I'm like, oh, right, right. yeah, no, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. it's a but good. There was a the- there was a theatrical cut that was like two and a half hours, I think. But yeah, it's five yeah, and no, half I hours. saw the five hour version for sure. It was definitely longer than two and a half hours. Uh, it was good. Yeah, cool. All right, Max, what have you seen that's been interesting? Well, I can't see since we last recorded, but in the last like uh, little while. In the last little while. Well, the last two films I saw, I saw. Uh, I didn't see anything the past week. I didn't see movies in a while. I saw Roma, the, nice. the Alfonso yeah, yeah. Cuaron movie on Netflix, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really good. I really liked that yeah. one. And, uh, and then this is a movie, it's an old one that I actually had never seen up until now, uh, Belly with uh, Nazi nice. DMX. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you seen that movie? I have. I watched that one. Yeah. I, I haven't I seen it. it. I want to see Back it, though. University. It's a, it could be a so bad, it's so good kind of movie. It's it's really strange. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. it was awesome. And Hype Williams? Williams. It was the yeah. only movie he ever made. Nice. And uh, honestly, it has a deep message. Has, Why like, do you need to make another one after you've made Belly? Message. Yeah, like it's honestly... <laughs> nice. That's great. DMX finds Islam, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, and Nuz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, Excellent use of uh, Back to Life, the acapella oh, version by Soul yeah. to Soul. Yeah. And the opening sequence. Oh, my God. Yeah, brilliant. Nice. I got to watch that. Uh, it's on Tubi. I'll, I'll be able to watch. Uh, it's pronounced Tubby. <laughs> yes, Tubby. <laughs> Uh, Kit, what have you seen since we last recorded? I've that's only seen about two films, actually, so that's convenient. Cool. Which I saw was... the uh, the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix. Which we, I think, discussed last episode, which is yeah. quite good. Yeah. Uh, you saw it? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Pretty compelling. Yeah. Uh, I guess we don't need to discuss it any further. But uh, no, 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 we can dig in. What, what are your thoughts on the film? 
Oh, it was it was just it was interesting. Uh, it's it's funny to watch all these rich people screw up so royally. Yeah, I don't even care about the concert goers. It's funny to see them get screwed. <laughs> uh, what's really sad is the the people in the Bahamas yeah, who that, are working yeah. really hard and, and didn't then just get paid at all. Paid, yeah, uh, that is actually sad. It actually brought a little t- tear to my eye mm-hmm. um, seeing how they suffered. Um, but man, what a story! Yeah, wild. Um, Capitalism sucks, man. And the, the Hulu one, they paid for Billy McFarlane yeah, to be in the film? Yeah. Like a quarter of a million dollars. Then no, I don't think I no. want to see that. And also, Chris Smith made the, the Netflix fire. Yeah. Like, Chris Smith is such a great documentarian. Although what's interesting about the... As janky as the Hulu one is, uh, it does not uh, put all the blame on Billy McFarland. They, they, or on Ja Rule. <laughs> no, it mainly goes after... Uh, Society? Millennials? After... Uh, Frick, Jerry. Uh, oh, uh, you mean Jerry Media? Jerry Media, yes. Mm-hmm. AKA. Yeah, we know what they are. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there, there, there's a campaign. Yeah. FF Jerry. They are mm-hmm. awful. They just steal material yeah. and use it um, pretty liberally. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yeah. should be canceled, as the kids like to say. Yeah, but no, like they they were basically they were keep they kept pushing the fire festival mm-hmm. and they weren't getting paid and like they knew that the thing was a sham but they just well the one thing that that, that guy said in the fire festival documentary that is true is that everybody forgets Woodstock was a disaster yeah everyone forgets yeah. the Isle of Wight was a disaster everyone forgets that the uh, Monterey Pop Festival was a disaster but they were like people weren't expecting luxury with Woodfest that's the difference that's the main difference yeah. That's is true. that they promised luxury. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people weren't paying $3,000 a ticket. So many times things just come together at like the last... I'm not trying... I'm, not, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. But like it's, it's the thing like so many times things come together last minute that you're like, okay, yeah. I can like it's... You know, if like if things had gone... If, if it hadn't rained, things would be marginally better. If it hadn't, uh, you know, if if this the it also rained during Woodstock '94. I always think that's of that, true. those clips of Green Day, the, yeah, being, with the mud pit, and, 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 Woodstock. and Woodstock, yeah, yeah. The, the original, yeah, one, yeah. And then they complain when it didn't rain during Woodstock '99, when it was like 100 degree weather, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there were terrible things that happened. In that yeah, 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 let's not go into that. Limp Biscuit, namely, chief yeah. amongst them. Um, what else? 20th, you 20th anniversary of Woodstock '99. <laughs> yeah. Let's They're doing see. another one, aren't they? No, I, I hope not. I think they. I think they ended. I think after ninety nine. Downsview Fest or something again? I don't think so because like Sarstock. All the. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other film I watched was I finally got around to Spider Man Homecoming. Oh, what'd you think? I, I liked it. I'm a big fan and, of that film. Um, it's. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will say this: it is bizarre that the uh, the big action set piece comes down to protecting Tony Stark's weapons. <laughs> And I yeah, just made yeah, me think. Yeah, it yeah. just it made me think of uh, no. They're Alan, not Tony Stark's weapons. They're it's 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 his foreign, weapons. Basically. No, but it's foreign. It's alien tech that they like confiscated. That he's going to make into weapons. But, but um. But that's but did anyway. You not, don't you remember the original, the first Iron Man just, movie? It Stop. just made me no, no, think. No, no, we're pausing on this. The first Iron Man movie. He <coughs> is a weapons maker that stops making weapons. I know. I know. But it made me think, and then Michael Keaton, actually, Michael Keaton's character actually gets to make he a makes good, good point, points, yeah. where he's like, uh, yeah, you're working for a weapons dealer, like, where do you yeah. think these weapons go? But it just reminded me so much mm-hmm. of uh, Alan Moore's The Watchmen, yeah. about how the superheroes are actually the bad guys, but unlike with that uh, piece of work, mm-hmm. um, this film does not know that the superheroes are the bad guys, whereas Alan Moore's uh, Watchmen is conscious of that. Yeah. 
that's that's my big takeaway. I enjoyed it. It's a fun superhero film, but man, oh man! But did you it's, not? It's did you a not fight see, over weapons? Did you not see Civil War? But it's a fight over weapons being sold as weapons or being like locked up and confiscated and being yeah, like yeah, potentially yeah yeah. But you haven't seen the other Marvel movies, have you? See, this is where like now no, I'm no, actually, I've seen a bunch of them. Did what, you see which Civil one? War? Yeah, 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 yeah. That whole thing was about that. You yeah. know, we can't police the world. Anyways, so that was Kit's opinion. Um, hey, I, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I'm just okay, like, yeah. it's it's a little bizarre that that's yeah. the big fight. Did you see that new Spider-Man film? Uh, was it Into the Multiverse? Into the Spider-Verse. That? Into the Spider-Verse? No, I have not, I've not seen it. Um, look, looking forward to it. Uh, Going to wait till it comes out on uh, Blu-ray. Jake Johnson is uh, hosting a Q&A at the Lightbox, I think, this week uh, of Into the Spider-Verse. Because he plays um, Peter Parker. So, Lillian, what have you seen since we last... A lot of stuff, I'm guessing, because it's been a long time. But what, what stuck out that you can remember? That look of terror on your face before I hand you the microphone is always great. I know, right? It really, like, I'm shaking. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> it has been a while, and I have seen a lot of stuff. And what always happens to me when I come here is... I mean, I wish I had... I should mm-hmm. keep a little book, keep a little record... But what happens when I'm sitting here and listening to everything you guys have been watching and I'm like, oh my God, I should remember what I was. I should remember what I was. I should. But then I'm too enthralled into listening to what you guys have been. So I'm sorry. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pass. I'm going to review what I've watched and I'll bring it up next time. How about that? Okay. But I did watch Un, um, Unsane. Unsane. That sticks out. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was good. That was interesting. Yeah. I like I like movies that take place in like, you know, that involve the the mental the facilities mind, the and stuff of the like mind. that. Yeah, they're interesting. Anyway, what have you watched, Graham, I since d- we just, last uh since you guys last convened? I just want to interject a mm-hmm. another slight criticism of Spider Man Homecoming. <laughs> Again, I liked the film, giving it three to three and a half stars for sure. Um but there's just too much tech in these films in all yeah. the Marvel films it's just I agree. it's getting annoying I'm, I'm kind of, of a, I'm kind of annoyed that Spider-Man's suit is a, is like that talks to him yeah. and stuff and zooms in and like just come on just, no. that's enough of that anyway yeah. that, I've said my piece I did like the fact that he wore his like sweatpants to fight the final battle and but um I guess it's trying to say that he's completely one with being Spider-Man Phil, don't open up a beer right next to that microphone. <laughs> yeah, you gotta like, get the sound effects on the. Uh... <laughs> no, it's just like it's just I just hear like the the sound of your hand like ruffling it like against the bottle and like chink. Um, Phil is drinking some sound ever. very interesting yeah. looking beer. What is this beer you're drinking? This is a Belgian ale called Duchess de Bourgogne. Ooh. We've got it a looks fancy like beer. Nice. Max, you just don't realize we, we we rag on all potential sponsors. You just bleep, screw just you, FreshBooks. Screw you, Andy. Screw you, Casper mattresses. We don't care. Um, so interestingly, <laughs> until you start paying us money, and then maybe <laughs> and then, yeah. no, we, could, we could change our tune. I love Casper mattresses. They are so comfortable to sleep upon. Um, actually, Unsane, uh, Lillian, ties into the first movie I'll talk about, because um, it was by the same filmmaker, Steven Soderbergh, who is my, I haven't, right. uh, is my favorite filmmaker of all time. Working and living and all that, yeah, I remember. Exactly, and he shot that film on an iPhone, and he also shot his next film, High Flying Bird, which is premiered on Netflix on oh, Friday. and I watched Bird Box, too. What'd you think of Bird Box? I think you're the only one here that watched it. Really? Yeah, I didn't Any see good? it. Any I've not seen it, no. I, I no, nope. I've been Bird Box curious, but I'm also wary. Okay, so I I've also heard bad things about Bird Box. Curious, <laughs> you let's Bi-ox go with that. Curious. Sure, yeah. 
So Buy I, I watched it. It's on Netflix. I watched it. Sim- Sorry, I can hold this. I watched it simply because like, oh, well, they Sandra, keep on throwing it. Sandra, at you. Sandra Bullock. OK, let me see. Because I've I I like every movie that Sandra Bullock's been in, like Kill Even Me. Miss Congeniality like, 2. Yeah. So <laughs> I was excited to see. Cruise control. I was excited to see her in it in a movie now. And I'm like, let me see what Sandra's up to. Right. And I read the little synopsis thing. And I'm like, OK, OK, check it out. I'm freaking bawling like five minutes in. It's a and it's just film, a, right? Yeah. Is it a horror? It's a horror. It's like a, it's it's anyway, I enjoyed it. And uh, I I was with spending some time with my aunt and I recommended it to her and she didn't enjoy it. So I don't know. And then I. I heard there's been some stuff about Bird Box and like there's been talk and they, they used footage from actual human disasters yeah. that are a bit too fresh and raw. What, what is that movie about? Oh, I don't know. It's some some sort of blindfold thing. But now <laughs> there's there's sure. the Bird Box challenge which became a thing online for a minute uh, where uh, people would blind them blindfold themselves and then try to do something like drive or or leave their house and it would end horribly. And there were uh, there were serious accidents. Yeah, as it caused some serious accidents. Yeah. We're, Netflix we'll has to remember, do some damage control. Yeah, we'll all remember where we were during the great... That's not what the movie is about, so no. I'm just... I know, but idiots will be idiots. And the blind community... Huh. Yeah. It's not appreciative. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, wow. What a blow-up. Jesus. Yeah, but apparently it's Netflix, what they're well, calling their... I, I hope that just hasn't stopped you guys from watching it, because... Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. No, it's just been something where like, I realized it's got to strike me at the right time. Um, I've been watching Velvet it. Velvet Buzzsaw is first in my queue. Ooh, watched that <laughs> you saw it see? you see i watched a lot of stuff i, I was very interested because that's tony gilroy the guy that did nightcrawler dan gilroy dan gilroy sorry who's tony gilroy uh, so somebody similar i uh, yeah but uh dan gilroy did uh come to me but yeah did nightcrawler nightcrawler and well, well, this one stars Rene russo as well yes so i guess who it's is yeah uh, so this is the same director as mm-hmm. um dan gilroy is mr Rene russo Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They met on the movie Free Jack with Emilio Estevez. Oh, my God. Free Dan Jack. Gilroy wrote the screenplay for that one, yeah. Is that with um, Anthony Hopkins? Sir Anthony Hopkins and Sir Mick Jagger. I was going to say Mick Jagger, yeah. Two sirs, wow. Yeah. Not Sir Emilio Estevez, though. <laughs> no, not yet. What's no. he up to, I wonder sometimes? Do you He's guys directing ever, like... movies He's with directing, his dad. Yeah. Oh. He also did that movie about, what was it, something in a library? Oh yeah, the, the Tiff. library shooting. Yeah. yeah, there was a movie. He did a movie about the a library hostage crisis. Uh, a yeah. hostage crisis set in a library. And by his dad, you guys mean Martin Sheen? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mm-hmm. didn't, I, okay, I didn't know they were making movies. Yeah, there yeah. was there was that like new agey father son movie, the, the Walk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, which or the Way, the Way. I think the Walk was the Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, that was the, yeah, yeah, that was that one. Okay, so back to my movies. Um, <laughs> I watched High Flying Bird, the new Steven Soderbergh film, and I loved it. I like it's great seeing Steven Soderbergh when he's like is operating. That a, is that a basketball film? Yes, it's about it's about it's set during a lockout, uh, shot on iPhones, but you would never know it. Um, uh, stars Andre Holland, I think his name. He's from the Nick. Uh, one of the lead actors from the Not Knicks. Not the Knicks. Not the Knicks. Ah, the Knicks. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, he's quite good. Um, it also stars Kyle MacLachlan and Bill Duke has a pretty big role. I was like excited to see Bill Duke. Um, yeah, super fun, super fat, like super just perfect. Ninety minutes in and out, great. It was just like it felt like oh, Steven Soderbergh's making a Steven Soderbergh movie again, um, and it kind of completes a trilogy that he started with the girlfriend experience about how. 
um, capitalism kind of exploits the body. So with the girlfriend experience, it was uh, escorts and using it for sex. Then with Magic Mike, also in a way using it for sex, um, but the focus is on the male anatomy. And then in this case, it's using it for sports because in the film, it breaks down why basketball is such a most profitable sport because they're really the only big star the big athletes that get endorsement deals because you don't really see football players or hockey players baseball has tradition but baseball isn't sexy whereas like if you want to sell sneakers you need basketball players Mm -hmm. and so this film is basically focused on a uh a sports agent and his youngest uh a rookie who's signed who is the number one draft pick and signed but not yet a part of the team the lockout occurs before he plays his first game so he's stuck there with no money um and they kind of decide maybe we can take the game back from the NBA and like do so it, it uh, everything kind of coalesces around there's a charity event where no professional basketball players show up except for the sports agent and his like young signee the rookie is, has had a Twitter beef with another player on his team that other player shows up and they have a game of one on one but because there's no other, there was no announced professional sports there there's there's no professional cameras so everything's captured on iPhones and like broadcast on the internet so it becomes a viral thing and they kind of realize maybe we don't need the NBA to have like high uh, uh, what's the word profitable basketball yeah uh, and then there's some twists and turns it's it's a really I can't recommend it enough it's super well written it's sharp as attack it's from the writer of Moonlight. Um, oh, wicked. Yeah, and uh, yeah, really great. The other film I want to talk about is one, um, I've seen so many, but um, I'm going to talk about two. Uh, the other film I watched, uh, it's a documentary, it's on streaming on Shudder, premiered on Friday. It's called Horror Noir, and it's actually about um, African Americans in the horror genre. Oh, I've been curious about it's that one. It's a fantastic documentary. Um, I recommend everybody spends the five bucks and gets Shutter. It's five bucks a month. Get it. The first month is free. Cancel it afterwards. Whatever. It is a great documentary, but and you it's can't have just one, right? You're gonna stay on. Yeah, Shutter's if Shutter is such has such good programming. Um, Pass Shutter. Yeah, Shutter. No, Shutter. They they get a free pass because they they do some great stuff. I mean, they Nothing's could sponsor. Free Graham. They could sponsor us, but you know. We'll do ad reads for you, Shudder. We will. This week on Shudder streaming, <laughs> it's Cannibal Ferox, which they do streaming. Um, so, Horror Noir, and, and it's it's great because it is all African Americans who are involved. There's Ernest Dickerson, there's Keith David. Keith David from Keith the Day David. Live? Yes, Keith David. Uh, one of my uh, Ernest Dickerson's in it. Um, uh, Miguel Nunez Jr., who was in Return of the Living Dead and Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, um, Ken Forey, one he of my he was fi- Demon, right? In uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, I can't remember who he was. He was he, well, he was the black he was the guy. Older, he was the older brother. He was the older black guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the yeah. He's the he's the other black guy in Friday. Like, he even said he's like uh, he makes a joke about that. It's like, are you concerned that you get killed in a horror movie? He's like, I'm just glad I got cast. Um, but yeah, they talk about. Um, Night of the Living Dead is a big touchstone, which is one of my favorite films. And then also, so is Dawn of the Dead, because they talk about like as how devastating it was when uh, Dwayne, the actor Dwayne Jones's character, gets killed at the end of Night of the Living Dead and like taken out by hooks and burned with the rest of the zombies. Whereas in Dawn of the Dead, Ken Forey is able to, you know, his character is initially about to commit suicide, but then decides to survive and fights his way through a horde of zombies to get to the helicopter to escape. And how it's like. 
uh, it was it gave the community such a good feeling of like not giving up. Um, and they they discuss you know the whole aspects of voodoo and uh, zombies, and they bring up you know I walked with a zombie and white. I've zombie. been waiting to watch that movie for at least a decade. Uh, I, I can't remember if I've seen it. I, I watched so many movies when I was in high school. I can't remember most of them, but I think that was one of them. But uh, yeah, it's a really awesome, awesome documentary. It goes right up. It talks about Get Out being like this great touch po- touch tone um, and bringing up the fact that, you know, it's there are certain things hidden within Get Out that certain audiences. And I admit I didn't even notice it. Like they pointed out that like the way and spoiler alert and get out that uh the main character is able to get free is he actually picks cotton out of the chair yeah he's yeah. picking cotton mm-hmm. um and then when he kills uh one of the doctors he uses a, a buck uh the uh the head of a buck yeah, yeah. the antlers and you know black males when they were on the market were called in, in during bucks, the time yeah. of slavery were called bucks so very fascinating. Um, and then the last movie I want to Tony Todd in that movie. He was in it. He's in it briefly. He's not like a lot of them. You could tell that he was probably um, recorded separately from everyone else, yeah. like because like everyone else is kind of sitting in a movie theater mm-hmm. discussing things or put as a juxtaposition. And Tony Todd discusses that he like you know he played Candyman obviously, and how like you know he's the boogeyman or the Bloody Mary for a certain generation. Um, but he also discusses like his the impact from Night of the Living Dead with him because he even though I didn't really touch upon it he played the same character that Dwayne Jones did in the Night of the Living Dead remake in 1990, um, and he discussed like you know talking with George about how like you know did you cast a black man to get attention and he's like no we cast him because he was the best actor and also just the feeling of utter like what do we do George Romero when they finished Night of the Living Dead editing it they were driving it to New York so the film cans are in the trunk of their car they're driving to New York to start showing it to distributors and over the radio comes out the news that Martin Luther King has been shot and they describe like the like the discussion in that car like do we turn around and change the ending do we do something different or do we just let it slide because now what we have done in like accidentally is created something with a greater context and it was it was a great documentary um sorry i'm talking a lot um so the last one i want to talk about is one that uh, a friend of the podcast and former guest host uh, philip sportell worked on it's called lost holiday starring caitlin shell um and uh, was made by the powers brothers um it's a super fun caper. It played at the Pendance Film Festival up here in Toronto. It had its world premiere at the Slam Dance Film Festival down in Utah. And I think it premiered internationally at the Rotterdam Film Festival in Rotterdam. What country is that in? Germany? It's part of the Netherlands. Netherlands, yeah, there yeah, we go. So. Okay. <clears throat> um, super fun. It's If you like The Big Lebowski it's kind of, or Inherent Vice, it's kind of in that vein of like people investigating a crime who really shouldn't be investigating a crime. Uh, it's interesting to see Caitlin Shell play the character she plays because she normally plays a very serious, dour character, and in this one she's really goofy and fun. But it does mask a slight, you know, sadness. Uh, it was shot in sixteen millimeter. Looks great. Uh, I loved it, and congratulations, Phil. So that. Thanks. Yeah. Hurrah, Phil. Also, I'm not sure when this episode is going up, but if you're in Toronto between March 11th and March 15th, a film I directed called. Oh, good, sorry. So, I was the, for day, the day, like, the day of reckoning, one? the day of reckoning, starring not one but two of the hosts of this podcast, Hell Christopher yeah. Kit Lewis and Lillian Perez. Uh, it is playing at the Toronto Short Film Festival at the Carlton Cinema. I don't know Phil's which day, but only in spirit form. He was a well-wisher. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's. I it, saw Phil the day we shot it. 
So that's right. You're kind of there, okay? James was there too. <laughs> yeah, that, that glint in uh, Lillian's eye in the film—that's Phil. That's Phil. Yeah, so that's it's a day of reckoning. I'm super, super thrilled that it's playing at the Toronto Short Film Festival, March 11th to March 15th at the Carlton Cinema. Anyways, with all that being said, we're going to watch Akira, and uh, we'll be back to discuss it afterwards. Hey. hey. Our stage is Neo Tokyo, the super techno city of 2019. 30 years after the Holocaust. A ravaged city, and one totally unaware of the cause of its misery. Akira. All right, and that was Akira. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah, sorry guys, I forgot how long that film is. Holy moly! <laughs> it was definitely a movie. It's interesting how it took such a big philosophical concept and essentially like entrusted the the plot of the film to like some teenagers that are just really into motorcycles. Yeah, it, that's a hallmark of uh, anime at the time, though. Take, taking like a pseudo philosophical big idea and then kind yeah. of putting it into some weird um, cyberpunk universe. Well, it is on the youth to change the world. That's it right. Is. Yeah, get out there and vote. Just remember that guy from Jaws was still the mayor in Jaws too. That's what I'm doing. That's right. <laughs> That's I was watching Jaws the other day and I'm like, hey, this guy's still the mayor in the second movie. <laughs> the the guy got, that didn't want to close the beaches and everybody died. <laughs> yeah, he got reelected. And literally, because he just didn't want to close a beach for one weekend, caused the deaths of, like, four people. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't really think we can recap Akira in There's any way. There's a lot of plot, There's folks. so much to go through. I mean... I, I forgot how much plot... Like, obviously, uh, as I mentioned, Otomo, mm-hmm. uh, he tried to par down, like, so much bigger than manga. Like, yeah. it goes so many different character arcs and stuff, and he well, cut four all those years out. after the film came out, didn't two it? Years, two, years. two years, two years. He ended it in yeah, 1990. 1990, right, right, right. Um, and it's very different. The plot goes in different places, but a lot of the same themes and some of the plot points are, are the same as mm-hmm. from what I understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a big movie. Yeah. I did think, I did like how we all chuckled at the line. You're just tools of a capitalist regime or something like that. Oh yeah. When he's, when, uh, when the commander, the, mm-hmm. the Colonel is, yeah, uh, he's about he's to stage a coup about to stage a coup. He he kills the politician. Yeah, and then the 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 general the I guess the army guys who are backing the politician. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing? You're just tools of a military complex or something like that." And they're like, "Huh? Capitalist like, they're capitalist puppets." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just puppets of a capitalist industrial complex. And, and they they kind of look around like, "Oh, I guess we are." Yeah. <laughs> look at that. Um, guns, yeah. Yeah, we all have a good chuckle. Um, Twice 2019 for you. Yeah, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and just quickly summarize it just just as a gist. So basically, we're introduced to our characters, one of whom is in a motorcycle accident, which is caused by a very bizarre child who we learn is a telekinesis person. And like an a, old Ed, like the thing is that child's old, been around but, for 30 years, yeah. but still in child form. Exactly. So they like they have like through drugs and uh, medication, they have stunted uh, three telekinetic uh, people's growths so that they're stuck permanently in children form. Um, and then the member of the gang that crashes 
Um, he also has some... Either he inherits it because of the crash or he yeah, already had it. It's because, not clear. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is the uh, the Kanye West role, by the way, in the in the video for yeah. Stronger is Tetsuo. Yeah. So He's Tetsuo, wearing the head yeah. bandages and stuff and the hospital gown. It's, and then basically the, the other members of the gang or the leader, what's his name? Car- Can- uh, Canada. Canada. Yeah, almost, I almost want to say Canada. I always want to say Canada. Canada. Yes. I like, I'm here in Canada. <laughs> Good old Canada. Canada! There's a lot of uh, shouting of names in this yeah. movie. Um, Tetsuo! So Canada. A great wrestling name. Yeah, it would Canada, be. Yeah. Canada. Canada, yeah, Joe Canada. Um, so, anyways, Joe. Ca- so, Joe Canada. So, anyways, uh, Canada uh, teams up with a uh, with a resistance fighter, and together they have to try and stop because uh, Tetsuya's telekinesis powers uh, activate and grow stronger and stronger and stronger, and he eventually leaves the hospital where he's drugged, and so therefore they grow unchecked until it threatens the entire entire planet. Much gets destroyed, and eventually, damn city gets destroyed at yeah. the end. That's it. And he's going to try and find Akira, the the titular character. I won't spoil. I mean, no, we can spoil. Well, we're going to say if you're listening to this podcast yeah. and you haven't seen the movie, then you're going to get spoiled. So yeah, turn it yeah. off, I guess, or don't. No, don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. Listen, listen all the way us. through. Yeah, we'll still see the movie, even if you know the twist, because it's still a good movie. Yeah, no, no. So yeah, Enjoy so, so it's Akira, a spoiler-proof movie. Yeah. So Akira turns out to be just the scientifically preserved remains of a being another child another child uh who had more power than any other and who is i I think it's uh insinuated he was responsible for the atomic blast yes that destroyed the city in 1989 yeah yeah so and uh, that if he links up with tetsuo then that'll be the end of everything could be could be yeah so uh canada uh it's winds Canada, up, I think. Canada, but Canada, whatever. Canada <laughs> winds up leading a charge uh, to stop him at the. Uh, it's not the Olympic Stadium; it's a different stadium. And essentially, the power overwhelms Tetsuya. He becomes a big Tetsuo. Tetsuo. Uh, keeps wanting to say Tetsuya Naito, the <laughs> Japanese wrestler. That I think Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Yeah, yep. Tetsuo. Yeah. So it overwhelms Tetsuo, who has replaced. He he has his arm severed by a space satellite laser. And it, he replaces it with cybernetic <laughs> powers. So much plot, even in the parsed down <laughs> yes, version you're trying to... keeping it down. Um, so then he basically becomes this this weird Cronenbergian... Because there's, there's a bit of scanners in there for sure with his mental powers. But he um, eventually becomes this giant mass of the blob biological of flesh, and, uh, flesh metal. that overwhelms him. Unfortunately crushes his, his little girlfriend. And uh, There was an episode of South Park. I don't know if you guys remember it. Oh, the Mega Streisand? No. No, the, uh, the Trapper Keeper yeah. episode where mm-hmm. that happens to Carpen. Ross's Creek Trapper Keeper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he turns into Tetsuo at the end of Akira. He, he just mm-hmm. grows into a monster. That's where that came from. Uh, but anyways, eventually he collapses and then Akira shows up and the three kids... They read the three kids resurrect, uh, the three telekinetic kids resurrect yes. Akira in order to stop Tetsuo because that's their only chance. Yeah, and then that results in kind of a mini uh, Big Bang I guess you could say basically they they go off to another dimension or another to create another universe and then another universe is created where they can just do what they want exactly the end so that's that was Akira that's it yeah Um, we left a lot out (laughs) Uh, I can't believe you did that it was the best we could do wow Um, so I guess I mean like we should it was a long movie. It was good. I enjoyed it's, it. It's it's two hours to be exact. It's not like it's yeah. over two hours. No. But 
uh, with the Tubby um, streaming Tubi. service. There's ad breaks. There are ad breaks, which uh, elongated the process. But, but not by much. They were not like, too much. E- each ad was like maybe 20 seconds long, and it broke it up like four times. So as a total, we're looking at not four as bad as late great movies or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching Heat on TBS, and it's being like, oh, it's going to be on for six hours. That's crazy. With all those fun TV edits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Six hours a heat. You mother fudgers! It's Melon Farmer, man. <laughs> melon Farmer, yes. Melon Farmer. Still love the Scarface TV edit. My I, favorite's Robocop. One time I even called him Airhead. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, I mean, the one thing I really, that really stuck out is that the animation in this is fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's, I, it's uh, true analog. I don't, yeah. They don't do animation like this anymore. Yeah, it was hand-drawn and then printed to film. It looks so gorgeous. And if they did it now, it would just be awful, I think. Like, if they if they had tried to make a movie Oh, like if they tried now. to, with CGI and um, animation techniques, well, they even now? if they had done, like, even when you see, like, hand-drawn animation now, it's all cleaned up through a computer and it's all, like, helped <laughs> by a computer. Gesundheit, Lillian. Gesundheit again. Um. So, this. By the way, I don't know if we mentioned this. This is the first animated film we're doing on the pod. Yeah, first animated film. Oh. And first time uh, movie in 2019 that takes place in set in 2019. Set is in this the first movie we're doing set in 2019? I believe so. Yeah, because yeah. we we haven't done what else is set in 2019. Blade Runner. We, we went through this at the start, the start of the, movie, the, the podcast. Blade Runner, The Running Man, 2019 after the fall of New York. Okay, forget 2019. This is the first movie like set in the year that we are in. That's true. Exactly, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. By the and way, Kit's first selection. Yes, This is exactly. my selection, yeah. Um, I thought it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to be um, Akira re-releases this year, uh, especially since it pre- yeah. premiered in North America. There's probably mm-hmm. going to be a few things. Uh, probably they'll do things at local theaters and well, stuff. Well, I gotta say, like, it. I haven't seen it before, but uh, I gotta say there were certain elements that uh, felt familiar. Like, well, there was the like, old, oh, yeah. the old little children and uh, this, like, mad... Well, if you've seen Stranger Things, for example, Stranger Things basically yeah. steals a lot of the plot from Akira. Hmm. Um, with the telekinesis um, uh, creating 11. She's even called a number mm-hmm. just like the kids are in this one. Oh, yeah, because the first one they saw was 26, and then there's 25. Yeah, and then uh, 28 is Akira, I think. Ooh. Yeah. Right, I saw the number 28. Is that what that was? Yeah, they, they number the kids. So Because it's supposed to be a secret government program right. creating these weapons. Um, so they just number name. the kids. Yeah. They don't give them names. Yeah. Um, so... That's, that's how yeah, they know. It was good. Um, I dug the soundtrack. I thought it was great. I, I love the soundtrack. I, I used to have it, actually, on a mixtape. CD? Oh. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, oh, dude, with, like, hand-drawn artwork and everything? Well, I, I made a CD. I made a CD mixtape. I call it a mixtape, but a mix CD. And yeah. It had the, um, I, don't, I don't know which track it is. The one with a, a lot of drums and stuff. And they just named the characters of the movie. They're like, Tashi! Canada. Nice. <laughs> That's all. It's nice. a great song. I love it when like songs just name characters. Well, it's like I watched the film Street Walking yesterday, and it's got a the great, Melissa Leo one? the Melissa Leo one, yeah, and it's got a great uh, theme song called Street Walking, which the whole thing leads to the chorus, where it's like, "Ooh, street walking," and you're just like. It's perfect. It's literally the perfect song for the movie. I love all those 80s movies where there's a theme song. Yeah. yeah. I miss theme songs. That just goes over the plot. Isn't, didn't Eminem do one of those for Venom? 
Maybe. I've heard that the that rap song that he contributes to Venom is just a rehearsing the of plot. the plot, which sounds awesome nice. and terrible at the same time. Well, the well last there's <laughs> that Partners in Crime rap at the end of uh, TMNT the movie. Yeah, I got to hear that again recently. It was so good. That goes through the entire plot of the yeah. movie. Sweet. Yeah, what was the... What would you guys say is, like, the most memorable song that we've heard here on Death by Video? In any of the movies we've yeah. seen? Oh, it's hard to remember, it's gotta ironically be, enough. It's gotta be Live, yeah. Laugh, oh, yeah. Live, Laugh, laugh yeah, Love, yeah. and... Survive. Yeah, Live, Laugh, Love, and Survive. From Live, Laugh, Love, and Survive. Live, Laugh, Love, and Survive. That's from Deviation. Uh, Yes. Grammy you read my mind. That was like the song I would have said. Yeah. That would have answered my question. I was so going to oh. mention Dragon Sound, but I realized that we've now have no, done that on we the will show. Be, that'll be this year, though. We're also going to be doing... Okay, so uh, off topic, but we're going to be doing uh, an, our Abel Ferreira series at some point this year. We're also going to be doing what I want to... I want to focus on films of the last decade, so from 2010 to, to now, because this is the last year of this decade. That's um, true. Like, and, what's, but we're not going to do like the typical mainstream. Uh, no, top we're, we're going to do, do like good that. films from the last decade. Don't worry, I got them. I got oh, them yeah. sorted out. Um, but yeah, so it's it's uh, going to be interesting. But uh, Max, what are your thoughts on? Uh, now you've seen uh, Akira before. What are your yes. thoughts on it this time after watching it? Uh, well, like Kid mentioned, I didn't remember how uh, like long it used to be. Like, I, like not, that's not a knock against the I, film. I love how everyone's like, it was long. But it we was. don't mean that in a bad way. But uh, it's amazing because like a lot of my friends watch this as teenagers. This is when I was first exposed yeah. to it. Uh, teenagers don't usually have the kind of patience for a film like that, but we were all down for it at the time. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with like you're just watching beautiful animation so it's just like it kind of just carries the film in a way like it's just it's really gorgeous to look at like um like the, like when they're in the hospital this was like hospital like the military hospital yeah. and there's just like all this green and it's just mm-hmm. like it's really beautiful. Um I had seen it a couple of times. I had read the manga. There's like a lot of great um, moments in the manga that they cut out like uh, like uh, just telling you guys if you I'm sorry, I, I, I just, I'm very curious about the manga, because uh, I've never met anybody who's read the whole thing. Uh, we had it at Indigo, briefly, the whole the whole package. But uh, what is different? What's, uh... No, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of great, like, well, like, for example, there's a part in the first volume, I think, where Tetsuo, Tetsuo, he becomes the leader of the uh, the clown gang, like the clown oh, bikers. Yeah, he actually okay. becomes, like, their no, leader after he, that. like, after he escapes the hospital. And then he's, like, there's, like, this great cool panel where he's like drive he's he's right he's riding the mic the the bike but like mm-hmm. without using ha- like hands he's just like using his, his mind, mind to How weird to, to drive the bike it's it's just a great um i, I would honestly call like the movie like the best of like almost like a greatest hits mm-hmm. kind of thing and if you want the full akira i'd rec- definitely recommend the whole manga yeah the whole read the manga it's worth it cool yeah, you can still get it at your uh, local bookseller today but yeah, yeah. i mean uh, the uh, the animation certainly um I was looking for a quote. Um, just uh, there's one from the New York Times when it came out. The drawings of Neo Tokyo are by night are so in- intricately detailed that all the individual windows of huge of huge skyscrapers appear distinct, and these night scenes glow with s- subtle, vibrant color. So that's kind of what you're looking at. It's, it's like, interesting because when yeah. you think back of like films from that era, like that did city scenes, like The Rescuers or something like that, like they or even Five Goes West. I mean, or uh, An American Tale. Like there was a lot of just like the backgrounds were just shapes yeah just yeah. shapes just rectangles basically 
but here you could you could almost sense there's people behind the little yellow yeah. rectangles of the windows. Uh does anybody have a favorite scene? Yeah, uh the, the 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 toys in the hospital bedroom, like yeah, when that was the pretty toys freaky. become big and oh, stuff. That was probably my favorite. That was cool. My personal one is when uh, when Tetsuo uh, basically becomes the big flesh monster. That yeah, was just I was, like, I was not well, expecting yeah. that at all. That that is the crazy part. Yeah, I actually like a little <laughs> bit before that. There's when he's uh, sitting on a throne basically that's yeah. set up on the Olympic Stadium, and his arm is like messing up because he's got this metallic arm now, and it goes into the um, the the concrete of the uh, the chair he's sitting on, mm-hmm. and then he he stands up at one point and he leaves it, and it's just like he drags part of the concrete with him because his arm is still yeah, yeah. still attached. I just love that uh, that piece of animation. It's one of my favorites. So many cool uh, scenes. I don't know if I have a favorite. I'm I'm wondering. So I didn't mention this in the uh, the preview, but they they have been trying to do a live action Akira for a couple of decades now. Yeah, eons now. Um, I forget who had the rights. I think Leonardo DiCaprio had the rights at one point. Uh, there's a few other names. Um, a few big directors have been attached to do it. Uh, Christopher Nolan. Um, mm-hmm. I think Spielberg himself even. Um, and then most recently, Jordan Peele was uh, rumored to direct, and now uh, oh the, yeah, I remember that rumor. The most recent is um, I can never pronounce his name. Uh, Tatiya Wibiki. Yes, thank you. I just mumbled a bunch of stuff there, but yeah, we know who it is. <laughs> you know, the director of Thor Ragnarok and what we do in the shadows, mm-hmm. and um, so he is right now. He's the director. This could change because this film has never it's been changed made many times. Yeah, um, it's been floating around for at least fifteen years. Um, but he he plans to make the film. He's going to adapt the manga, not the film. Ooh, that's interesting. Which could be hard to do since it's such a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wants to he wants to make sure it's an all Japanese cast, which is probably the right thing to do after such yeah. whitewashing um, things as Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Although the one thing the one thing I always remember that is that. D- didn't Ghost in the Shell take place in some post-racial world where like everyone's kind of mixed? I can't remember. It's been since the '90s since I saw yeah. the original. Are you talking about the whole like controversy about Scarlett Johansson yeah. playing? Well, what happens in the is mm-hmm. that she's playing. She's like a robot, basically. Yeah, like, she's, she's not so, a human. Yeah, yeah. And they show her past. She was like she was Asian, but now it like her the robot is Scarlett Johansson, not mm. the. The original human being that yeah. plays know, it's, the soul. It's, it's so dicey when you do that stuff because people regardless mm-hmm. are going to be concerned. And it used of to be, course, this one is set in Neo-Tokyo, so if they were to do it, yeah. casting a bunch of white sense, actors would sense. Yeah, well, not it, be It's so interesting great. in the past when, when you would remake or adapt a story like that to it'd be adapted to North America. Like, go to me, Neo-Tokyo, it'd be like Neo-York or something, Neo-New York. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I think there was, um, I remember reading, there was a script that kind yeah. of transposed the story into a Neo-New York-type yeah. place so they could keep white actors. I wouldn't but that, be surprised, because that, that would, you know, that's that was, you know, back through the, the 90s, that, that would have made it, you know, financially profitable. Or exactly, like, uh, right. Uh, didn't sound, take off. Yeah. And uh, I think Atomo uh, still retains some of the rights over what the story mm-hmm. does. He's He's... He's for a live-action remake. He's down for it. He's interested in what a storyteller might do with it. Uh, he's like, yeah. you know, take it take it as you interpret it. The only issue... But he doesn't want that kind of nonsense, yeah. I think. The only issue, though, is like when you say live-action now, it's like look at the live-action Lion King. 
I kind of feel not a live action film. That's an animated film. I kind of feel like it'll be an animated <laughs> film. It'll be like a green screen movie. I feel if they do well, Akira now. Well, and the thing is, I don't think the special effects have been up to par to actually create Akira as it should be. Like yeah. if they're going to adapt the movie and create that last scene where he turns into like a flesh. Exactly. Blob, like unless they how like, would they do that? Unless they get someone like Rob Bottin who did uh, the effects for John Carpenter's The Thing to just, just yeah, that here's, would, that would here's, a, look here's great. twenty million dollars, but they'll never do that because they're going to want CGI. No, they're going to want CGI. Yeah, because sure. as they found out when they did the the Thing remake, which was really a prequel, they actually did all practical effects on set. But then the studio was like, "But this looks like an old movie. Why? Why do we see like real effects? Like it should look new and like all the other like big budget movies." So they actually like painted over all the physical no. effects with CGI. I forgot about that uh, Thing oh, yeah. prequel. Yeah. With um, what's your face? Mary Elizabeth Winston. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, yeah. it's very forgettable. It's Ramona Flowers. Yeah. Yeah, Ramona Flowers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised throughout the whole like development of the the live action adaptation that they never got the, the Wachowskis to come on board. Considering the whole like Matrix, I think that would be a little too close. To, I, it's, it's like I flying think too they close were to the sun. Attached as names um, in the history of this film being adapted, they were briefly attached. Yeah, um, but it's one of those things like it's too close to like because they like pulled so much from it. Yeah, it's kind of like you know when Ghost in the Shell came up, they were never mentioned because it's like. Yeah, you don't like you don't. It's it's like it's showing you know everyone like you know I'm a genius, but I took it all from here. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. like you know when it, like no one mentioned Dark City to them on the press tour. Like, hey, have you guys seen Dark City? No, shut up. You know, <laughs> there's a, there's a scene in Akira uh, early on where it's during one of the uh, the bike fights uh, mm-hmm. with, the, with the clown gang, and Kaneda's yeah. got his big red bike with uh with cannon and like pioneer stickers on it for some reason. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and he, he he does like a, what do you a Tokyo drift like he does a, a turn uh, with the camera facing him and uh, like the bike screeches the wheel screeches and he kind of stops the bike oh totally well I mean they did that in that's Matrix. been used that was in so Matrix. many that was times in, yeah. uh, Matrix Two the I, um, I saw Lawrence Fishburne on the on the motorcycle with the samurai yeah doing uh, doing research yeah. for the film though that's not the only time that's been no, used many since times, then many and here yeah. is kind of the uh, the starting point. But so many films use that um, yeah. same camera angle, the it's same kind of trope. Te- technique. It's, I think it's in The Dark Knight as well. Yeah. Oh, it totally yeah. is. When he stops the uh, when he stops the bat pod. Yeah. It's it's so frustrating though because like when you uh, it's hard to see watch a movie like this and be as odd as you would have been when you first saw it because, because you've some, seen these things. Before. Things have been like peeled away and taken elsewhere. Um, it's always fun though to watch a movie like this and sort of be like, oh, that's where that came from. Apparently, so a filmmaker I'm very interested in, Cat Shea. She had a retrospective recently at the New Beverly Cinema in uh, Los Angeles, which is Quentin Tarantino's theater. And they showed three of her films. They showed Poison Ivy, Strip to Kill, and Streets. Now, in Streets, there is a motorcycle cop in L.A. who wears mirrored sunglasses that is pursuing a young child who goes around with a pore saying, have you seen this boy? And that's, every, Ter- uh, that's well, Terminator and took that from, from there. the Streets, because yeah, Streets yeah. came out two years earlier, and it, and it was a Roger Corman production, and... Cameron started with Corman and was still close to them and apparently at this theater like when everyone was watching the movie as soon as they realized what it was they're like oh my god James Cameron ripped <laughs> off this like and yeah this movie um, so it's like you kind of can't get that sense James of James Cameron ripped off Wayne's World it was the other way around <laughs> I know I get it. it was Wayne's World too Phil I, I didn't have the first Wayne's World Oh really? Was the first I, Wayne's I think World? It was the first Wayne's World? I think. Okay, you might be right, but I didn't get okay. Phil's joke for a few seconds. I'm like, wait, did he rip off Wayne's World? No, he didn't. Oh right, no, because in Wayne's that was when Garth was in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Poison Ivy. That's with Drew Barrymore, right? That's actually yes. got a yeah. Robert Patrick cameo, right? That's Robert. Yeah, that's right. No, it's Robert yeah. Patrick as T1000. 
Sweet. Yes. What was the What was the movie that uh, Ridley Scott ripped off from Alien? Like the Vampire Planet of the Vampires from Mario uh, Mario like Baba. Is that a stream? No, 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 no. It's just it's just certain elements are are definitely lifted, but it's like not so much a steal as a um, as a like inspiration from. Oh, homage or a nod. A nod. Yeah, that's exactly nod. right. Once again, Lillian like cuts through all of our bullshit to to, put, to get the like, right term down. Yes. Um, Phil, did you have something to say? No. Okay. So with that moment, we're going to move on to our final thoughts. So Max, what are your final thoughts on, uh, I keep wanting to say Blade Runner, but it's Akira. Akira, an anime classic, an anime staple. You know, if you're an anime fan, you've seen this film and it's a great one. Phil, what are your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, this is the first watch for me. Like I, I kind of not as an anime fan. Like I figured like, Mm -hmm. "Eh, this is not my aesthetic, but then I watched this and I was just really taken aback by it because I really miss analog animation. I love the density of every single scene in this movie. Uh, it's even though a lot of it's familiar, it's so overwhelming. There's just always something to it. Like no matter how derivative, there's always something that's makes it its own. Yeah. And the film just keeps driving forward too. There's no, there's no like scenes where I like to call it the whole, like just like hang around and think about what's going on scenes. Like this movie is constantly one after the other, after the other. Yeah, and there's it just kind of runs the emotional gamut. Like there are just some scenes that are just they're just total dread, mm-hmm. and then other scenes that are just really thrilling and um, the hint of sublime. Yeah, so yeah, I I just dread the thought of this being a live action movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think they'll f- it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I just despise the aesthetic of like. 21st century mainstream film. Effects, yeah. just green screened and yeah that's the problem I don't like the editing techniques of a lot of movies I mean the only one that could do it would be Danny Arcan- uh no who uh what's his name uh the dude that played around 2049 oh um no no Denny Villeneuve Denny Villeneuve I was getting it off who's working on his um Dune, Dune I know he's the only guy I think that would that that could pull it off yeah but you know I really liked Arrival as well yeah Kit, what are your final thoughts on Akira? Your uh, this pick. is a number number of times that I've uh, I've seen it. I'm just looking up to see what's happening with the live action uh, uh, remake. Remake, but it's still yeah, it's still in uh, Watiti's hands. Uh, but nothing's moved forward because he's working mm-hmm. on another project at the time. Yeah. Um, he also wants to do another Marvel movie too soon. Yeah, he, he, Thor, yeah Thor, Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. was another good. Thor, another Thor. Uh, Sorry, Max was singing off mic. Another Thor one. Um, I don't know. He says he's he's not sure it's gonna be the right uh, the right. Um... It's gonna go to Zack Snyder at some point. No, 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 Michael Bay's Akira. That would interesting. Michael Bay would build sets. Yeah, I remember like Michael Bay's big thing is practical like explosions and sets, and then adding in like CGI elements afterwards. So I he would I don't know Michael Bay. Do it justice. I don't know if justice is the right word. I just think he he might have a better shot at getting it right. He'd make it his own. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it would just be it would be right by accident. That's what you know. Here's a, here's what what TT says. Um, the last time he was asked about it, he is officially attached to direct, but he's not his next not his next project. It would yeah. be nice if they could have uh, gotten it for 2019, but they didn't. 
Uh, I haven't really started to get my head around it yet. What I wanted to do was an adaptation of the books, because a lot of people are like, don't touch that film. And I'm like, I'm not remaking the film. I want to go back to the book. A lot of people freaking out uh, haven't even read the books, and there are six gigantic books to go through. It's so rich. But Akira is one of my favorite films. My mom took me to see that when I was 13, and it changed my life. Um, that's from Taika Watiti. So hopefully he gets to do it. I think he might be a good candidate to mm -hmm. make a decent uh, adaptation. But yeah. who knows? It'll be different from the uh, film, uh, the film adaptation anyway. Because if he's going by mm -hmm. the mangas, it sounds like Max. It's going to be quite different. Although to tie it around to uh, to Phil's Scott Pilgrim reference, uh, Scott Pilgrim was the, a good uh, was a good adaptation, yeah. but it was also done before the book was finished, like uh, like Akira. So I'm interested ah. in like the ending of and like the movie influenced the 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 uh, production of the movie influenced the f the final few books. And I, I'm pretty sure I read a quote from Otomo saying it did influence yeah, the way he to. ended the yeah. manga, even though it's a different plot line that he was working with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. So your final thought, Kit, then? My final thought is I, I enjoy this film. Uh, I forgot how long it is, but... Um, <laughs> don't stop apologizing for that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great film. I think you should see it, even if you don't like anime. Uh, I don't... I'm not a big anime fan. Neither I haven't am I. seen Cowboy Bebop. Uh, this is one of the few ones I have seen, and I really think it's great. It's one of my... Uh, it's, it was one of the films I picked for the, my top ten influential films, so... Yeah. Lillian, what are your final thoughts on Akira? Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> that was... That was huge. That was epic. There was so much going on, and there was so much. I was wondering how we're going to talk about it after. But, yeah, I really like what Phil, like, Phil, you pretty much summed up my thoughts on the on the matter. Uh, it was very beautiful to watch, and a lot of stuff, like, just. A lot of stuff. They could have cut out a lot of the, <laughs> like, you found out that the resistance was actually corrupt, um, that the guy who was kind of leading the resistance was also just in it for the money and you find out about all this other stuff and they could have done without that and still kept the plot pretty good but yeah. I don't know apparently it was important it was jam packed I was okay with that being in there yeah I think, I, I think it's very important that we we uh, we knew that yeah well it, I guess yeah he couldn't uh, finish the story without that plot point I guess I don't know it's, it's already I don't want to say bloated that's not what I mean but um yeah, I like I liked it. What I got from that is that that it was both people exploiting youth. It was like two different sides of the coin exploiting youth. You know, like they were the the rebellion side was exploiting like young people like off and they and believed and in what they were doing, but the exactly. people in charge of it obviously did not. Didn't. Yeah, no. and whereas on the other side, it's like again they're exploiting the young uh, tele telepaths. Yes. Sorry to jump in on your final no, thought, no. Will. What are your final thoughts, Graham? My final thoughts. I really, I enjoyed it. I, I'm not a big anime guy at all. It's, it's uh, hard for me to sit down and watch it. Even like a animated feature film, I'm, I'm not keen to watch them anymore. Um, I still love the Iron Giant though. Which I've I, never uh, seen the Iron Giant. Oh my god, it makes me cry every time. Just watching that end scene on YouTube, I'm just like. Ah. <laughs> 
I guess that's how you literally cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I've been told that from numerous people about the Iron Giant. Yeah, yeah it's so. Will, I cry every time I watch the Iron Giant. Yeah, you do. You need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the Iron Giant, Lil? No, no. Have you seen the Iron Giant, Max? Oh, yeah. oh many times. Yeah, it's. I haven't seen it. One. It is featured heavily in Ready Player One. Oh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. surprise. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like, as soon as you see it, like, it's just like, bah! Like, you just see, like, everybody cries. Like, it's something Spielberg had nothing to do with, but, like, you just, like, look at it and be like, he's just so, like, why did I not have anything to do with this? Uh, now he does. Now yeah. he has and his fingerprints mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. I haven't seen any Brad Bird movies. Now that I think about it, no. Not The Incredibles either? You haven't seen, no. yeah. Not The Incredibles, not that Mission Impossible movie Brad did, no. He used to write for The Simpsons, actually. He did a few iconic yeah, Simpsons yeah. episodes. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so anyway. I watched uh, The Incredibles 2 recently. Oh, it was good, right? Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. That's what I would say about that. This this film we're talking about now is not cute. <laughs> yeah, it could be. They have moments. Anyways, so to wrap it all up, uh, please go go find Akira. It's currently streaming for free of charge on 2B TV. We actually watched the um, updated dubbing. Yes, it was, um, it was, it was, I was like, concerned it was, was going to be the, dubbing. the bad campy dubbing. It's uh, not bad it's just it adds such a campy flavor That's to the, the thing, film it t- kind of takes things like because it's people that are just sort of like why is this cartoon so serious we gotta liven up with our voices yeah which is yeah. exactly what they do yeah so anyways uh great film really enjoyed it and that's all i have to really say about it so uh we'll we're be doing back- a lillian's pick next yeah lillian's pick oh. remember what it is uh monster dog yeah, I can't find a copy. <laughs> is that still happening? If I can find a copy between now and next week, it's been two months of me. Should I pick something else, maybe? No, no, no. We'll, we'll try and make Monster Dog. I really want to see Monster Dog. It looks pretty cool. I'm going to I'm gonna do my we're best to find a copy. We're going to reach out to Alice Cooper. Uh... Yeah, it stars Alice Cooper. <laughs> Alice Cooper is the star. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I think it's an Italian director, and it's supposed to be, like, really atmospherical. And... You've never seen it? I have seen it, actually. It's been a while, but, yeah, I'm excited to watch it with you guys. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully, I can find it. It's a uh, it's a hard one to find, but I'll look up. So, for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit. I've been Lil. I've been Max. And I'm still Graham. Saying, please be sure to rewind. We'll see you next time. Keep watching awesome movies. Good night. Keep Bye-bye. watching the skis.